Malachi is the, the last book in the Old Testament, and there is about 400 years of what we call silence between the, the Old Testament and the New Testament. So really, when we read the book of Malachi, we're, we're reading the last words, the last prophecies that we see in the Old Testament before we begin the New. And our text for today from Malachi, it's, it's full of these analogies. God is compared to a, a refiner or a fuller. And, and we see these, uh, these images and I want us to kind of dig into these images just a little bit as we start today uh, and, and see kind of the beauty uh, of what God is saying and who he is and his character. Uh, you know, in biblical times, when, we, when it talks about a fuller, a fuller was someone who cleaned and whitened and bleached cloth or, or clothing. So they would take dirty, grimy clothes and they would try to whiten it and make it fresh and new and clean. That's what a fuller did. And a refiner... Uh, was the same thing. It was the same type of deal where uh, a refiner would take a, a lead base trying to find the silver uh, out of that lead and they would place it over the fire and heat it up. Uh, and the lead would be placed in a, in a shallow vessel with a, a porous substance like, like bone. And as it's heating up, that lead would either uh, soak into that porous material and the the silver would be on top where they skim off the lead. And they would say that uh, they would wait until all those impurities were out where they could look into that liquid silver and even see their reflection to make sure it was, it was good. And so in this text, God is being described as a fuller and a refiner, someone who is making something that is impure, pure. And common sense, of course, tells us that you don't need a fuller or a refiner unless something is impure, unless something needs to be cleaned, unless something needs to be made new. And in case, and that is truly the case here in Malachi. Malachi is only four chapters long. It's easy read. Uh, in fact, I'd encourage you to read it this week. But I want us to take a moment and kind of look at this message we see in Malachi because we see uh, a nation, the nation of Israel that is impure, that is corrupt. And so in uh, chapter one of Malachi six through and eight, we see God addressing the priests, the ones who should be the most pure. And this is what uh, God says. Uh, this is Malachi one, six. A son honors his father and servants their master. If then I am a father, where is the honor due me? And if I'm a master, where is the respect due me? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priest, who despise my name. And you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food on my altar. And you say, how have we polluted it? By thinking that the Lord's table may be despised. Verse eight, when you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not wrong? And when you offer those who are, that are lame or sick, is that not wrong? Try presenting that to your governor. Will he be pleased with you or show you favor? Says the Lord of hosts. You see, the priests have been trying to save a little money, as it were, and offer impure animals as a sacrifice. And they begin to ignore God's guidelines because God had given them strict guidelines. When you make a sacrifice, uh, give the firstborn, give the best, uh, an animal without defect. And here, uh, the Lord is clear in this commandment in both Exodus and Leviticus that any offering made to him had to be without blemish. 
But here the priests are, as God says, robbing him because they're offering impure animals, animals that aren't worth as much and trying to kind of say, oh, it's good enough. It's good enough for God. And, and so they're dishonoring his word and his commandment and their unfaithfulness was really an obstacle in the way to their own atonement and uh, the atonement of sin that the people so desperately needed. But the priests weren't the only ones who were guilty. Uh, the, the people were guilty as well. We read in Malachi 2, verse 10 through 11, these words. Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our ancestors? Judah has been faithless an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob anyone who does this, any to witness or answer or to bring an offering to the Lord of hosts. You see, the people of Judah have become just as compromised as the priests. And they're, they've really kind of as it says, it's making this allusion to marriage. They have married a foreign god, as it were. They are uh, being married to idols. And, and in the text, truly, uh, some of the people had married uh, foreign women. And, and it's not that God doesn't want them to marry foreign women or that his concern was the contamination of two races. That's not what he's talking about. Really, what his concern is, is that these women or these who serve foreign gods would contaminate... Uh, the nation of Israel, and that's what had happened because the people of Israel began to uh, go after other gods and other idols. So God goes on to say in Malachi that the, the people are saying, anyone doing evil is good in the Lord's eyes. The people are calling good evil and evil good. Kind of sounds like today, doesn't it? I, I'm not sure we've progressed much even since Malachi's time, but here uh, we see the corruption of the priesthood of of families, of, of everything, of all life in the nation of Judah. And that lack of faithfulness throughout is where God is really upset. And in two chapters, Malachi describes a complete and total defilement of Israel. And, and so how does God reply to this? Does he say, I've had enough of you. I'm done with you. I'm going to wipe you all out. I'm going to destroy you. No. And, and really, that's the shocking part. God replies to the contamination and impurity of his people in, in this way. And it was the text, uh, it's our scripture text for the day from, I, from Malachi chapter 3, verses 1. This is how God replies. See, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Indeed, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver and he will purify the descendants of Levi and refine them like gold and silver until they present themselves to the Lord in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old, as in former years. So here we see this response of God that is different than what we would expect because God responds by sending a messenger. He's angry, yes. He, he wants us to turn back to him, yes. But 
our condition isn't hopeless. You know, you can read Malachi and just kind of say, oh my goodness, I can't believe we've gotten to this point. We've gotten so corrupt that we're calling evil good and good evil. But that's where we were, and, and it can seem without, without hope. But we remember that God is a God of hope. And hope despite our circumstances that we've created for ourselves, but it isn't an empty hope. It's hope filled with God's love. It's a hope that says God lovingly desires to clean us up, right? To set us free from the contamination of sin, just like fuller soap or a refiner who is uh, uh, heating up and taking out all the contaminants in silver or gold. See, Malachi was prophesying that a day would come when God would send a refiner, a fuller, with soap to make what was dirty clean. Now, here's what you need to know as well. God wouldn't do this. God wouldn't send a messenger. God wouldn't send a savior uh, to try to clean you up and refine you unless he thought that you were worth it. And that indeed is the case. God thinks you're worth it because God loves you. God loves me. He loves humanity. He loves his creation. And he wants us to be saved. See, that's, that's really the message of Christmas. You are worth saving. In spite of your sin, God loves you. Church, that, that day we are about to celebrate Christmas, December 25th, uh, on Christmas Day, we, we celebrate that God's love was born in the flesh. A child was born who will make a way for us to be washed clean, who will refine us uh, of all the impurities that we have within us, the sin within us. I love the prophecy from Isaiah. Isaiah 9, verse 2 through 7 says this, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who have lived in a land of deep darkness, on them the light has shined. You have multiplied the nations. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the trampling warriors and the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us, authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. It's a great prophecy and, uh, from Isaiah, but here in Malachi, we see this great prophecy that God's gonna send a messenger. So at the end of the Old Testament, we have this promise and then we open up in Matthew and it's the continuation of, of that promise where we indeed see the messenger come before the Savior, John the Baptist, proclaiming the same word that, that God has come to seek and save the lost. Can I share with you uh, what I love most about Christmas? Of course, it's the presents, right? We love presents. Honestly, it's, it's not about the presents. It's, it's what presents communicate. You know, because a well-thought-out gift will communicate that someone knows me, that someone loves me, that someone wants to bless me in some way. And, and that's really the message that we get here in Malachi, that God loves us and we are worth saving. But unfortunately, we, we so often fail to think of God in this way. Most of us don't need to be reminded we're sinners. We, we 
We get that most of the time. Most of us are fully aware of our sin. But how we respond to our sin becomes a problem often. We either diminish our sin and say, you know, it's okay, or it doesn't really matter. Uh, kind of like the, the priests and the people here in, in Malachi. They, they did that. They didn't think it was a big deal to cheat God. Or we become overly aware of our sin and we therefore often try to hide from God. And, and neither are the, the proper response. And, and too often, though, we act as if we think God is angry at us all the time. And at Christmas time, we sometimes forget the old-fashioned message, this message of the Bible, and we live into the worldly message of Christmas. What's the worldly message of Christmas? Well, let me give you a, a song that might help you. You've probably heard it before. You can sing along. I'm not going to sing it for you, though. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out. He's going to find out if you're naughty or nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. And, and, and what happens in that song? What, if, if we're bad at Christmas, then we're put on the naughty list, right? We're, uh, we don't get any presents. We are only going to get a lump of coal, right? That's the worldly message. And that message has hijacked, really, the old-fashioned message of Christmas. And it's really the best and the only message that the world has to offer. If you're good, then you know, you're going to get something good. If you're bad, then you're going to get something bad. And too many of us look at God like he's some angry Santa up there, just checking his list, making sure we've, we've done more nice things than naughty things, and, and we think we've been put on the naughty list. Uh, but think about this. If you go back to Malachi at the very beginning, the very beginning of Malachi, before God lays out all the ways that the priests and the people have sinned against him, he begins by saying this, verse 2, I have loved you, says the Lord. I have loved you. It's not about you being naughty or nice. It, 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 God's not looking over your shoulder waiting for you to do something wrong so he can put you, take you off the nice list, put you on the naughty list. Not at all. It says, I've loved you, says the Lord. Church, God loves you whether you're, you're nice or naughty. But if we're honest about our sinfulness, we all understand we, we don't make the nice list, do we? But that is why I, I want to hijack a, a, a Christmas tradition. Uh, I want us to reinterpret uh, an image that some of us grew up with, you know, and we might have even told our children, you know, if you're bad, what are you going to get in your stocking? You're going to get this, coal. You're going to get coal in your stocking if you're bad. You're not going to get uh, any presents. And, 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 a, and a lump of coal was there, you know, historically to remind us that we didn't do good, uh, that we were bad and therefore we don't get anything good. But today I kind of want to look at this lump of coal and, and remind you that yes, we have sinned. Yes, we've been corrupted. But I want us to see this coal as, as a symbol of the refining fire of Christ that will make us pure. So pure that we'll reflect the image of the Father in heaven. See, God can take all of our sin, all of our corruption, and he can refine us because he loves us and he thinks that we're worth it. That's the beauty of Christmas. That, that truly is the message of Christmas that no matter what we've done, that God can refine us. He can even take a lump of coal and make it into something beautiful. And you know, coal's a little messy. Even as I hold it, it gets on my fingers. 
Uh, but there's a message in that as well. Because sin creates a mess. But God doesn't shy away from our messiness. God doesn't shy away from our messes. In fact, He sent His Son into the mess of our lives in order to give us new life. Because He loves us. You see, after God lists all the ways in which His people have sinned against Him, in which they have been corrupted, He offers this invitation in Malachi 3, verse 7. Return to me, and I will return to you. See, God is making that invitation to you and me this Christmas. So as as you get busy with uh, your presence and uh, all the things that you have to do this Christmas season, I want to invite you to receive God's good gift of love, of forgiveness, of purification, regardless of where you've been, regardless of what list you think you're on. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of Jesus. For never giving up on us, no matter how far down the wrong path we might be walking, that you seek us out. Uh, That even uh, when we do wrong, you want us you want us to be refined and you will be willing to clean us up it's not easy but you do it because you love us you do it because you know that we're worth it we thank you for that we pray in Jesus holy name amen i pray you have a great week uh, remember that you're more than coal uh, and god will clean you up go in peace this day